It is the Zed Key Power Hour. Welcome. Uh, I'm Johnny. He's Andy. And we've got basically we're just going to do all Zed Key all the time because that's all I care about. I don't really want to talk about anything else related to Ohio State sports besides the enigma that is one Zedulon Key. That's it. That's all I care about. And that's all we're going to talk about. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel about that, Andy, but that's just like that's how it rolls now. Have you have you figured out if you can get a Zed Key fat head? Like, have you have you tried to? <laughs> you can. I know you can like order them. You can like can get you? them personalized. So the thing you can do, yeah, I think. Yeah, so know. that's gonna be my wallpaper in the house. Like, I don't care. Like the entire, not just a room, all of the rooms really need to be just have nothing but Zed Key all over them. Because you know what you could head. do. So I I had uh, I had our mutual friend Grant uh, work me up and 11 warriors uh zoom virtual background that's pretty sweet featuring nice my favorite uh, t-shirt in the dry goods store 85 yards through the heart of the south except no imitations by the way friends there are <laughs> knockoffs of plenty to be found out there on uh, twitter.biz or your favorite social platform of choice say no to those bot fueled knockoffs and go for the original source at the dry goods but at any rate so i had him uh, mock me up a great virtual zoom background you know now what 10 months ago uh, and, and it makes me think now when you talk about the Zed key fathead, you should totally try to get him to mock up like a Zed themed zoom background. I bet, I, I bet your students would love that. You should totally do that. I should do that. And actually, if it were possible, I don't know, maybe you need to get one of those like green masks or something and then just project Zed keys. Oh, that's even better. It'd be like the, um, you know, on your iPhone, you make your own emoji or you, yeah. you know, you have the whatever they call those where it looks like the emoji is talking, you know, your face is the emoji. That's what you can do. You just need a Z key, uh, and emoji. Is that what they call those you know, on, no clue. on the iPhone? Yeah. I don't know. either. I don't have an iPhone and I get enormous amounts of crap from it for my students, but that's, that's a pain that I don't wish to rehash. I have an iPhone and I can't say that I've ever found, uh, a need to, to do the, but, I, but I do Android. love that Larry Johnson, um, the, the legendary, uh, defensive line coach at the Ohio State University, a, a team you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. Th- th- he does that thing where he has his um, emoji that he tweets out with a boom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Recruit like that. You know, that's the kind of energy I need in my life. Yeah, it's not bad. Another uh, reason I love let, LJ. So, let's speaking of energy, right? And and we again, we could wax poetic about Zed Key for hours. And I I probably have off the air already this season, but I will say that. I am enjoying this Ohio State men's basketball team a lot, a, a lot. And I, I, you know, normally you would say, okay, well, compared to other seasons, I don't even remember what other seasons used to be like because it's, it feels like we've been stuck in limbo for the better part of a decade. And I don't really, I, I don't have anything to compare this to, but I just enjoy watching Ohio State basketball a lot. I, I, it is, they're an entertaining team. They're an energetic team. There's a lot of interesting players who, who, perform very specific roles within the team so it's kind of fun to like you know okay on this possession i'll see what justin arns is doing or on this possession i'll see what you know liddell's doing i I really enjoy watching this basketball team and even when they lose in a way that you're like oh damn that you have to have that game against purdue for example they're still fun to watch so i don't you know we're coming off as we discussed this were a couple of days removed from a really nice road win against Wisconsin where they really kind of dominated most of the game. I mean, it wasn't, it was semi close at certain points, but honestly, they, they kind of just beat down a team that is a legit top 10 team in the country. 
uh, on the road. So I don't know. How are you? Are you enjoying this? This seems fun. This is this is fun. I'm excited. I mean, this is huge because if you think about where we were talking about comparing to past seasons, you know, last year, January was the undoing. Right. of what looked to be a really good, you know, Ohio State team. Like you're coming out of the, the out-of-conference season, the December games. It wasn't until December 29th when last year's team hit the skids. Hey, here we are in January, and this team's won four of the last five. Hey, that's a that's a great thing, you know. You've beat Wisconsin, yeah. you beat Illinois, you beat Rutgers all on the road. You got Northwestern at home, and you're all the way up to number 13 in the country. I'm I'm loving it. I mean, the only teams that are ahead of Ohio State in the rankings now inside the Big Ten are, are Michigan and Iowa, two pretty good teams, one of which is not going to be playing basketball for a couple of weeks. Mm, uh, right. But, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this, and, and mostly because it's what you said. You've got energy. You know, this is a team that feels like it's it, it's got some swagger to it. You know, you got the team putting out uh, earlier this week uh, tweets picking uh, – which letting the fans pick which uniform they want to wear against <laughs> State Wednesday. Right. You know? And and like this feels like this team has a little bit of pep in its step. And that's been something that, you know, it's been nice to see the, the Holtman culture players obviously have bought in this, this crop of players for sure is bought in. Um, and, you know, it feels like they know who they are and are making things happen. I, yeah. I'm having a ball watching that Wisconsin game was great. Well, and they have a lot of good leadership on the court and then, you know, I, I don't think that it's possible to really fully appreciate what that looks like in the locker room. Cause you don't really, I mean, you don't know, like for instance, what Seth towns or, you know, Washington look like, you know, when they're just kind of talking with the other players, but you can tell on the court when they're actually like playing, there is so much chemistry among the team when they're, when they're really like hot and, and, you know, when they're trying to make sure that they get open looks and things like that. And they're trying to make sure that, you know, everybody's in the right spot. It's just, it's, it's, it's a team that looks like it has a lot of direction, which is something that you really like to see. And what I would point to as an example of that is the fact that, you know, they've got, you know, four losses this season. They're not, they're not a team that's just steamrolling other, uh, you know, squads, but they really only have one bad loss and on the road against Minnesota appears to be a really hard, <laughs> a really hard uh, beat. Uh, in the Big Ten this year for some reason. I don't know why that that's so difficult for teams right now and in 2020-21. Um, but overall, they just, they're just they in it to win it in pretty much every game, and I just think that's awesome. And again, you know, you've got to – the season is weird because you're not really able to stack Ohio State up against too many out-of-conference opponents and, and see where they are nationally. But this is a weird year nationally anyway. So you're in the best conference in the country. You're doing pretty darn good against that conference right now. You just got to keep it rolling. And, and you got to make sure that you're continuing to hit threes because sometimes they're good at that. Sometimes they're not so good at that. And that seems to be a, a pretty good indicator sometimes about how they're going to uh, play in a certain game. Well, Although, and, 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 you know, let's think about this is the modern game of basketball, right? That's right. I mean, And I don't know if I really grasped that when Chris Holtman first came to Columbus uh, you know, kind of his vision, I guess, but you can see it with the way he's constructed this roster and, and when they're on and, and, you know, you live by the three, you die by the three, but this is the modern game of basketball. It's, right. you know, it's, there's a reason it's played the way it is at the highest level. Uh, and, and I mean, I think you're seeing the fruits of it on the court for, for the Buckeyes that, that Purdue game got away from them. You know, they were, mm -hmm. <laughs> there, there were stretches there where it didn't feel like they could hit the ocean um and you know matt painter's a hell of a ball coach right so he took advantage of some of those those things but when it works 
you're cruising comfortably against the top 10 team in Wisconsin and Hey, happy day. Well, what's interesting to me is that, you know, David on the site is, is well aware of this already, but it almost feels sometimes like you have subtraction by addition when you get Washington back. And it's not like, I don't want to hate on the guy, but man, he comes back, you know, you've got a guy on the court. You're like, okay, all right, this is experienced dude. You know, we need the floor general, all that kind of stuff. It was a one for nine from the field, one for five from three point land. <laughs> like that's, and the fact that you still are able to dominate a really good Wisconsin team is to me indicative of the fact that like they're getting contributions from pretty much everybody. And even somebody that you would expect to be kind of this leader and okay, we need to have this person making sure everybody steps up and blah, blah, blah. Apparently you don't need that. Apparently that doesn't have to be a huge factor because Ohio state's got so much depth otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Seth Towns was talking about this, um, you know, when he's like actually back to hundred percent, right. He's going to do some really impactful things on the court. Dude had 10 points in 17 minutes, right? Five for eight shooting. He was, he was good. He was really good. He's limited, but when he's back up to his full strength and he can really just, you know, run the floor and do what he needs to do. You know, I think you're looking at a team that's just going to get increasingly dangerous as the season goes on because they'll figure out ways to incorporate, you know, like Justin Arns, for example, a little bit better. Um, who, by the way, is shooting over 50% from three <laughs> and has attempted has attempted two two-point shots the entire season. <laughs> like, that's what I'm talking about. That's how specialized this team is. That's how Holtman has constructed this team is that he, he has – it, this is like the, um, I don't know. It, it feels like the genesis of really what he wants in a squad, like what he wants his personnel to look like. This feels like maybe for the first time, a Chris Holtman team that is really exactly what he wants it to look like. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see that. And you've got a, you know, pretty, pretty favorable slate here. Uh, it feels like for, for the next uh a couple of weeks anyway so this rescheduled game with penn state wednesday uh in, in michigan state you get both those games at home um michigan state on sunday and then you know, open up february tough road game against iowa i mean i think that'll be a good measuring stick to see yes like okay how how good is i how good is ohio state on the road against a, a legit top 10 team um you just had a great road win over a top 10 team in wisconsin so you know can you do it again uh, and if you can, Hey, that's, that's money in the bank. Uh, you know, Maryland winnable game, you know, Indiana at home, you, you know, if you, if you're, you're betting on that game, that's not a hard one to take the way Indiana has been playing lately. And, and, and then you got Penn state again, you know, so the next half dozen games, uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's inconceivable to see Ohio state, uh, come close to, to five out of six of those and, and, and maybe sweep the set. Who knows, you know, if you get, get hot in Iowa, the way they did, versus wisconsin that could be another uh big time resume builder that's going to be a fascinating game just because of how the two teams are built right i mean not the same you've got (laughs) you got one team that's just really completely centered around one player and 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 trying to you know for good reason right uh and then you've got ohio state that's really kind of highly specialized ej liddell i think would be a huge factor in any kind of game like that you need to Mm -hmm. have a guy that's capable of putting up 20 25 points a night on any given night um to do that when you're playing a team like Iowa or eventually Michigan, right. Assuming that Michigan comes back and they're able to play and all that stuff. Cause Michigan, you know, we can brag on them all we want in football, but can in we, basketball, they look legitimately terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are a very, very good team. 
um, in basketball. And I, I don't know. Are you surprised by that? Because I was honestly a little skeptical of, uh, of the experience. Like, you know, they lose, obviously they lose this great basketball coach, you know, he heads off to Cleveland, which worked out great for him. You bring in Juwan Howard. But I'm bunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't super, I'll be honest. I was not super, uh, optimistic about those prospects and that definitely proven me wrong they've been incredible this season yeah i don't think i don't think it surprised me in that you know it wasn't like wasn't like beeline left the uh the, the cupboard bear or anything True. along those lines True. so you know he's he's walking into a good situation to start with they've got some some history in you know, basketball uh, <laughs> infamy however you want to look at it but you know they're not it, it's not like walking into uh, a place that doesn't have the resources, the capability. He's not walking into the situation Jim Harbaugh's successor is going to be walking into. How's that? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's in uh, five years. That's <laughs> that. It, so it didn't. It didn't surprise me in that regard. I think what surprised me is that Michigan State um, has has had a kind of a you know not ideal year. This is not a typical. A Tom lot Dezzo of the blue team, bloods are are struggling this year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, God, you could be a Kentucky fan this season, right? Like, what must that be like? <laughs> so, yeah, it is. It is a weird year. That's true. It is a weird year. Um, I'm kind of, but I'm like you. I'm glad that uh, Ohio State only has Michigan the once. Um, this go around, I think that's good. You got to play Iowa twice, but you've only got just Michigan once here down right. the stretch, and and late in the season too. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's this is going to be. I really hope. I really hope that everything works out when we talk about things. You know like the March madness and all that, because it's this to me feels like what college basketball should look like. I hate it when you've got such a top heavy basketball season where there's the regular blue bloods Duke and, you know, UNC or whoever, and then it's just everybody else. And you're just kind of wanting to see how many, by how many points the, uh, you know, the one seeds are going to win by. I, I hate seasons like that. I love the fact that, I mean, again, Gonzaga has been there for a long time, whatever, but you know, you like to see Shaka smart, right. Getting things done at Texas, Houston being a top 10 team, Creighton's up there. Like I, that's the kind of stuff I really like to see. And I also like to see a, a butt ton of uh, big 10 teams. I also, also like to see a butt ton of Ohio teams in March Madness, but unfortunately Ohio is not super hot this year uh, when it comes to that. So I I'll settle for just like six or seven big 10 teams in uh, March madness. I think it'd be good. Maybe I, mean, seven definitely, or I, don't know. I mean, that definitely seems, I mean, that definitely seems doable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of talent there in the conference. Um, and I, I mean, who else are you stacking them up against? Right. Like in terms of in nationally, they're this, they're clearly the best conference in the, in the country. I think, I don't know that there's, yeah. I mean, big, like, I, you could I'm say maybe sure. big 12. I'm not sure that's debatable. Yeah. I was gonna say, I'm not sure that's debatable, but it, yeah. it, they are right. Yeah. They're pretty darn good. So there's, there's a lot going on. It's a lot of fun. Ohio state, as you said, has an opportunity to really kind of make their stamp right now mm-hmm. on, um, uh, you know, on, on, college basketball in general I, I think they're just right there and you get some guys back at full strength you figure out what Dwayne Washington's gonna do and, and I hope he doesn't have you know any more like one for nine nights or anything like that uh you've got a dangerous team and you got a really fun team to watch so I'm enjoying the hell out of this I think this is great and uh you know maybe I'm selling the big 12 short I just did a quick count so big 10 has six in the top 25 at the Associated Press poll this week, the Big 12 has mm-hmm. six as well. So maybe 
maybe I'm selling them short saying it's uh, it, it's not debatable, but I, I don't know. I just look at the big 10 say it's a super deep conference and has been for a few years, but, but you're, you're right. Baylor and Texas in the top five, uh, you know, makes it look, makes it look pretty good where, yeah, big 10 has three in the top you know, two in the top 10. Now, I guess with uh, Wisconsin falling down a spot and Ohio state just kind of on the outside looking in there. I'm just a big uh, shock of smart fan. I love that dude. I think he's great. I think so, he um, tested positive for the Rona this week. Oh, so I did not hear that. That's thoughts, sad. thoughts and prayers to him. Hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, he's a young, healthy guy. Hopefully he'll be all right. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that come across the wire before we, before we hit the old Memorex. Yeah. Hopefully it gets better. Um, so yeah, college basketball is fun and everybody should watch it. And of course, Zed key is playing. So that means you should always watch. And by the way, the only, the only bad thing about the Ohio state Wisconsin win that I did not enjoy was that Zed key only had like seven minutes of game time, which really, you know, unacceptable Holtman. I don't know what you're doing. You know, and speaking of things that um, were maybe underrated about that game uh, or, or might've been a controversial take, how did you feel about the, the anthracite, uh alt jerseys how did, oh, how did you feel about those I, no i was not a fan didn't do it for you huh no not a huge fan of those how I did know, you like I, the black jerseys when ohio state football football's went, went fine i yeah i know what you're saying it, it's i don't know i did not like them i really didn't it, it felt too like it really seemed like wisconsin alternates that's what i thought was weird about it right because you're playing wisconsin it looks like just kind of a i don't know mm-hmm. what a negative version of what they usually wear. I just, I didn't enjoy it. So mm-hmm. it's now I do like, you know, when they've got the the throwbacks and the, the script Buckeye thing, like those, some of those jerseys that they do have are, are just freaking sick, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't a fan. What, what do you think? What, how were you feeling those? Uh, I liked them better on the court. Like when they did the, the social media teaser, I, I thought they were legitimately black and I'm like, yeah. Oh, here we go again. Like black is, a, is an accessory color for us. It's not a primary color. It's sure. The colors are scarlet and gray and we should, you know, emphasize those basketball. sort. I mean, I guess we've, we've uh, basketball actually does a nicer job of it than football does in that we have a proper gray uniform, especially those uh, right. Jimmy Jackson throwbacks that they're yeah, running this season. Sick. That, that's another great. thing I, I, you know, I got to say, um, you know, it started when they started doing the throwbacks when Holtman came in and they were wearing the throwbacks in St. John arena. I'm like, man, this guy just gets it. You know, right. was, I've given him a lot of credit for that. And then they added those, those sweet gray throwbacks. Uh, so they have a really nice, um, you know, portfolio of kits. So when I saw the social media rollout of, of, I thought they were black and I was like, Oh, we don't need a black old, you know, in, in basketball, it's dumb. And then when you got them out on the court, they, I could say, I'm like, okay, they're they are a shade of gray it is you know it's not right like ohio state gray but it's it's a shade and i liked them better on the floor than i did kind of in pictures i guess if that makes sense so yeah i don't love them um i thought they were fine they, they i didn't hate them with the ten thousand uh passion of ten thousand burning suns but yeah that script uh, or that little um yeah i call it the script throwback that they that they've been wearing this season and then the the jimmy jackson gray throwbacks i love those i feel like those are the only two they need and then i guess if they want to do the block ohio stuff they can although i really yeah i mean those are their that's their base kit right they're fine yeah they're they're, they're fine here's a quick aside about that though i don't i don't know i i understand ohio state's got a ton invested in branding and they cannot change their logos easily right this is not something that they can just on a whim say nah let's do let's go with something else right because there's so much that they put into what they're doing but like i just 
the Ohio State, like the block Ohio State, where you've got like Ohio and then the S in the middle of the O, like I, I feel like they got to figure out something different. I, I, I want to see an updated logo that isn't literally just them taking the paint tool and filling in the letters. So you don't like the, the quote unquote athletics logo? No, I mean, I like the idea of block letters. I just don't like the way it's done on the base logo. I think mm-hmm. that needs to be, I don't know. I think it needs to be updated. I think they can yeah. do something else with it. Um, I like the old college block lettering. I just don't like how it's done on that. I think it's a little goofy. It's it's very 90s, which I guess is kind of more in now, but I'm just- uh, Retro, I'm baby. Well, that's, that's what's hilarious to me. I, I had a student actually say like, man, Johnny, you're so lucky that you grew up in the 90s with the, like the best- you know, best clothes, best styles. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I wore shirts made out of cardboard that were entirely <laughs> neon pink and neon yellow. Like, that's basically what I wore for the better part of a decade. I, there was there was nothing happy or proud. I was like, screw this, this sucks. Everything's itchy and hot. I hated it. But could have LA been, gear, though, that was sweet. Could have been children the, of the uh, 80s, you know, with the with the big hair and and so on. But that's uh, true. Leather jackets. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think they need to update the logo a little bit, but that's 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 just me. That's just me. So basketball is fun as hell. I think everybody should watch it. A couple quick things about uh, football. Obviously, we're in the offseason. We're talking about what's going to happen and all this stuff, and there's commitments, and Ohio State is just absolutely killing it on recruiting rate. I mean, yes, obviously, this isn't news, but I was struck by how far ahead Ohio State is than everyone else if you look at the number of commitments and not just the quality but just the fact that they're so far ahead of other places in terms of um you know how many people have committed already it's it's kind of mind-blowing that they're this proactive i was a little surprised by that so that's cool that they're keeping that going and then of course you've got greg madison leaving how do you so how do you see ryan day filling that coaching spot because Greg Madison, you could do a number of things, I think, with the coaching staff, with, you know, that open spot, with his absence. What would you do, Andy Vance, to fill that spot? I mean, whatever it's going to take to make sure that Ohio State's passing defense isn't a, you know, wet paper bag. Uh, <laughs> that That's that's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah. I did think uh, I really enjoyed Kyle Jones' film study this week because it it talked about the many different ways that that Ryan Day could look at this concept of replacing Greg Madison. And, you know, the, the thing that I found really interesting is he's got a lot of options, you know, because he's got uh, already got a great recruiter in, in Kerry Combs. You don't have to necessarily feel like, oh, we have to get the best. You certainly want somebody who doesn't stink at recruiting. Sure. But but you know, you, you but that's don't not why make... Madison was there though. Right. Like exactly. Not... Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and then, and then likewise, you know, you've got some options. You could reshuffle the decks of, of who coaches, which position group. So you don't have to say, Oh, we have to get somebody who's, who's a wizard at this specific position group. Certainly it would be nice. Um, you know, if you get somebody that could, could maybe help that uh, defensive backfield a little bit. Um, but, but I think the big question and coach day said it in his press conference when he was, when he was announcing is, is there, there's a lot of options on the table in terms of, do we stick with this base defensive scheme that we've been running? Um, or, or are we going to do something different? You know, if we bring somebody else in, uh, do we change our base scheme or do we stick with this this cover three? And, um, you know, to me, to me, that's interesting to see, you know, this is real simple. Just go out and hire whoever the next Jeff Halfley is. That's, that's all you got (laughs) to 
That's all you easy, do. easy. Just, just find a guy. Roll down to coaches are us and right. I, but but a bit, but the bigger thing for me is I'm really interested to see how he does here because if you go back and I, and I look at the Urban Meyer tenure, go back and look mm-hmm. at the Jim Trestle tenure. Where where are these coaches sort of lost their way at different times, uh, and it's because hiring is an inexact science unless you're Nick Saban and you just only hire uh, reformed former head coaches. Um, you know, you're, you're hiring guys who you think are going to be a good fit or you think are going to perform or whatnot. And then you get them in there and maybe they do, and maybe they don't. But when, you know, when herbs, uh, was replacing guys, you know, his second and third hires, um, some of them weren't great. Right. And so he, he, urban Myers assistants either seem like guys who were knocking out of the park, amazing or, abjectly the best man at his wedding yeah right yeah i was trying to figure out how to couch that in the (laughs) diplomatic terms yeah and and, and so you know but you look at jim trestle was the knock on jim trestle he was obscenely loyal to his assistant coaches right like loyal to a fault it's one of the things i absolutely love and admire about the man uh but as a fan you were like come on you know you need (laughs) you probably need to cut ties with some of these guys trestle was also a micromanager and i think in a lot of ways urban meyer was too oh yeah for sure but urban urban burnt out on that right he he was such a perfectionist that he was like oh my god i I, everything has to be done exactly to the right you know aspect and i've got to make sure everything's done to a team blah 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 jim trestle was the same way he's you know he was like i'm fine with that that's (laughs) and if parts of the you know if the offense is like from the 1920s i'm fine with that that's just how it happens um (laughs) dave dave yeah well and you know i was thinking about this um I guess in kind of a roundabout way, it just reminded me, but when, you know, Madison retired and, and we were thinking about, okay, like, you know, has got to have a good defensive scheme, blah, blah, blah. Matt Brown uh, now like, you know, smart football and all that wrote this post-mortem of, I think the 2009 USC game uh, that Ohio state played and about how Ohio state's offense was just completely, it wasn't even that the defense wasn't, you know, up to par. The defense was fine. The defense was great even. But the offense was just stuck in this like mid '90s thing that there was no, there were no RPOs, there was nothing that was a part of modern uh, football at the time, and mm-hmm. like that's that's what I think you have to be concerned about when you're a head coach. It's it's not so much like you can be a delegator, you can be a micromanager, whatever, but you've got to make sure that you've got input on your staff that's current, right? That that's going to make sure that you are staying abreast or ahead of whatever that sport is doing. Now, Ryan day in terms of offense, I'm not worried about that guy, right? Nope. Yep. Making sure that he's on the cutting edge of stuff because he is an incredible uh, offensive game planner. And I also think what makes him so good is that he's willing to adjust and change what he does every game, you know, to say nothing about every season, he's going to look at his personnel and say, okay, how can I, how can I score a butt ton of points? I don't care what my scheme looks like. We're just going to do it. Um, but defensively, you got to make sure that you have somebody like maybe Halfley who's got ideas, who's going to, you know, think of ways to make sure that Ohio State defense isn't just a bunch of guys who are really good athletes making plays, right? You want you want to be smart. You want to be able to adjust to these offenses that really have the, the advantage in the modern game of, of football. So that's what I'm looking for. I want a dude who, again, I, I know we joked about, we just said like get another half lead, but you do want to find a guy who's got ideas. And that's what I'm kind of looking for. Again, nothing against Madison. Madison, great coach, excellent resume, excellent career. Guy did it for literally 49 years. It's unbelievable. 
um, and the results speak for themselves. But I, I really think that you've got to have uh, new blood intellectually. I think that's something that you've got to be smart about when you're hiring guys. Or just bring in Jim Haycock. I'm fine with that too. That's fine. He, I don't think he's doing anything right now. I think he's just kind of chilling. So I was gonna say, is, he, is he still on staff as a as, as a quality control analyst type? I mean, <laughs> I don't probably, think so. He's probably still in the building somewhere. He's uh, well, you know, he's he's uh, he's not that old. I think he's like early seventies. You know, he's got some time in him, right? Snyder yeah, coach, he was like what, I think 78, 79. <laughs> so I don't say why Haycock couldn't. He's fine. And, and 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 Kyle's, you know. Kyle's uh, piece. He mentions John Haycock, so maybe, maybe Jim Haycock and a mustache. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that'll be exciting to kind of keep an eye on and see how everything's going with that. One more sport that we really got to focus on is uh, one that's near and dear to your heart, Andy. And I, I can't believe we haven't talked about it too much to this point. But how's wrestling going? How's Ohio State wrestling doing? You know what's insane, and I was thinking about this earlier today it just feels like the season got started. I mean, we've two, we're two weekends into the season. Yeah. And it's a third of the way over because of the <laughs> way, crazy. because of the way the big 10 season is structured. So like football, big 10 wrestling uh, made the decision this year to go conference only no, no out of conference dual meets, no open tournaments. So normally uh, Ohio state would have started wrestling in early November with open tournaments, um, typically would be an early December trip to Las Vegas for the Cliff Keen Invitational, uh, which is a, a huge tournament that Ohio State has won. Oh, just off the top of my head, probably I think three of the last five years, something along those mm-hmm. lines. Done extremely well at that tournament. Um, you, you've got, uh, like I say, a number of. Typically, they would have some some marquee out of conference duels. You know, we've, we've hosted Stanford in recent years um you know among other i think arizona state we had a home and home with uh arizona state great great uh wrestling program so none of that this year and then they also made the decision to wait until after uh the holidays to start so normally you know i say we would have had two months really of wrestling in already um this year ohio state's wrestling nine opponents in eight weeks time and the way that they're doing that is the Big Ten is um, to try to minimize the amount of travel teams have to do, both for COVID-related but also budget-related purposes because all these athletic departments are, are struggling revenue-wise due to COVID. Yeah. Um, they're using formats of, of tri and, and quad meets. So what, mm. what does that mean? Where, okay, normally a dual meet, say Ohio State uh, hosted Rutgers on Sunday. That's a dual meet, two teams. So try meet, same thing. You just have three teams in the same gym and each team wrestles each other. So that was opening weekend for Ohio State. They went to Champaign and wrestled uh, against Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, Split that series one and one. Champaign um, was very good to the home team. Illinois won both its duels and uh, Ohio State beat Wisconsin before it came back home. So two and one on the season, but they're going to wrestle eight opponents in nine weeks time. So it's a really truncated season. And because they don't have these out of conference duels or tournaments, you know, your starters are going to wrestle nine times and then it's big 10 tournament. So, you know, these guys uh, that have already wrestled three matches, their season's a third of the way over, you know, the regular season's a third of the way over and they've been wrestling two weeks. So that that's really pretty crazy. And, And it makes it a challenge for the program um, because they've got some spots where maybe you have two guys who are fighting for the same starting position. Well, normally you'd have that. That's what November and December are for, you know, for guys, we're going to try out some different lineup combinations. We're going to see how these guys perform at tournaments, you know, tell them what they need to do to get better. And then we'll, you know, as we get into the heart of big 10 dual meet season, 
you know, we'll be able to kind of firm up our lineup. We don't really have that luxury this year. So that's, that's been a challenge. Um, this is a, it's not a, I don't want to say a rebuilding year for the team. That's not a fair way to describe it, but there's, um, not a lot of senior leadership. So you've got a lot mm-hmm. of juniors and redshirt juniors who are anchoring the starting spots. You've got quite a few sophomores and redshirt sophomores who are anchoring spots. Um, and I think we have one, one senior on the, the starting lineup in Elijah Cleary. So you're, you're missing some of those mainstays that like you think of a guy like Colin Moore and, and Luke Pletcher that graduated last year. You know, those are guys were starters. It seemed like for a long time and, uh, and they're gone. So you've kind of got this younger generation of guys had a really good meet versus Rutgers. They did well team one. So they're two and one on the season in dual meet action. Three guys on the roster are undefeated, uh, get the number one wrestler in the country at 149 pounds and Sammy Sasso. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so the guys are doing some good things. Um, Iowa is the team to beat in, in the country this year. They just look like they are the 85 bears and, um, really, really impressive what they're, what they're doing this year. Uh, big 10 is the best conference as you, we were talking about basketball, best conference in wrestling by far. Second place is not even close. Right. Well, and that's, <laughs> feels like that's kind of the way it goes you know what i mean like it is it i don't know it's interesting to me because um hey would you call this a rebuilding year yeah no i i mean i, I don't think i would i think this is just a weird year because it, it it's not a rebuilding year because you have a lot of veterans on the lineup when i look at the lineup i mean they returned a lot of starters sure. um and and you've got a lot of guys who are are potential all-americans um i look at like a guy like caleb Ramirez, he's one of my favorite wrestlers on the team he's number four in the country at 174 pounds uh pride of mechanicsburg former uh four-year starter quarterback for the mechanicsburg high school football team uh was an all-american last year and and has looked fantastic he's undefeated on the season um but i look at a guy like like romero and i'm like you know he's um he's a red shirt junior i think um has been starting a couple of years now got a lot of got a lot of experience um but and he's one of the two or three but i i wouldn't predict him to win a national title this year because he's in a really tough class right. and it's so hard to win a national title i think he's a really great wrestler you know he, he he's going to be an all-american no question in my mind um and, and then you've got a guy like uh let's say malik heinzelman heinzelman's doing his best wrestling of his collegiate career right now at 125 pounds guy has really come on i mean and really in the last half of of the year last year uh big 10 tournament he was looking really great won some big matches and has just been wrestling his best wrestling since putting on a scarlet singlet this year um all three guys that he's beat so far this season are guys who beat him a year ago so Mm -hmm. you know he's come back and and gotten better than guys were beating him last year i love that i i think he could be an all-american this year um but the guy who is number one in that class is is going to win no question in my mind you know so that's that's what's tough about this is like you kind of have tiers where and not just teams i don't mean just teams but within individual weight classes where there are a few weight classes where the guys that and, and heavyweight's a good example of this the guys that like one two and three in that class are so much better than the guys at four five and six you know like there's a there's a gap even between rankings in a weight class um so wrestling is kind of an interesting sport that way it's because it's a team sport but it's an individual sport that's true well and and maybe it also just kind of speaks to like i don't know um the overall talent level 
in, in college wrestling. Like it's, it, I don't know. Obviously I haven't been following as long as you have, but it, it feels like this is an un, like every year it just feels like there are better and better guys who are just going to make like international noise. And it's, it's just wild to me to watch because they're so darn good at their craft. It's really amazing to see. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's one of the things Ohio state, you know, has done very well in recruiting because we have such a strong history of guys doing well internationally. Right. Um, guys like Logan Steber, Kyle Snyder, certainly are ones you think of, but, but guys like Colin Moore, Miles Martin, these are guys who are ranked, you know, internationally now as freestyle competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the challenges Ohio state faces is because it draws these guys who are phenomenal freestyle wrestlers. We don't wrestle freestyle in college. We wrestle folk style. And so you have um, program like Iowa as an example, a, a lot of Ohio state wrestling fans will get frustrated because Ohio state isn't as strong. What we'll say on the mat with folk style wrestling. And that, that has to do with what the writing time and, and uh, wrestling off bottom and, and uh, you know, how good are you on top? And, and it's just a very different where freestyle wrestling you know, it's, it's all about the takedown, uh, right. you know, par- parterre. And again, can you get a guy turned over and his back exposed is important, but there is no riding time in, in freestyle wrestling. Well, you know, Ohio state recruits these guys who are international quality talent. Um, but then they'll get beat by wrestlers who, who are folk style freaks and who can just work you over on top and keep you belly down on the mat for two minutes at a time. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I think, if Ohio state could wave its magic wand and make NCAA wrestling be freestyle wrestling. Oh my gosh. You just be world beaters. Um, so that's one of the little quirks of the sport, but you're right. The talent level is huge. And, you know, I, I'll use that heavyweight class example. So, uh, Gable Stevenson is Minnesota's heavyweight. He's mm-hmm. number one with a bullet guy is a monster heavyweight. He's really good. Uh, Michigan's Mason Paris international quality guy he's just he's a freak athlete he's really good penn state's uh greg kirkliet formerly of ohio state and and, you know i will refrain from having any commentary about his choice to (laughs) leave ohio state uh nine days before the start of the season uh last year we'll we'll set that aside but that guy is a freak athlete and and you so you look at those three guys really super talented okay i mentioned gable stevenson in minnesota his team wrestled in Iowa last week. He he won by major decision over Iowa's heavyweight, who has been a top 10 heavyweight his whole career. That was the only match that Minnesota won against Iowa. So you have, you know, one of the top five wrestlers in the country of any weight class on your team, and you lose nine other matches, you know. Crazy. Now, the other guys on Minnesota, by the way, they're not scrubs. Right, right. Of course but not. Iowa, but Iowa's team is really good you know i was too damn good yeah i mean they could have three four you know five national champions on that team so it's 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 an interesting sport people don't realize uh wrestling only has 9.9 scholarships for 10 starting positions Mm. um now you know you've got 20 or 30 guys in the in the room you know high state has more than 9.9 wrestlers in the program but you only have scholarship money for the equivalent of 9.9 scholarships so that makes the recruiting game really interesting um, you know, makes wrestling finances really interesting. And that's why you can see teams like Penn state that, you know, tends to accumulate an obscene amount of talent. Now the, the transfer game has played a more of a factor in late, you know, Ohio state's got a, uh, starter or our starting heavyweight Tate Orndorff is a transfer from Utah Valley. Ohio state's done pretty well in the transfer market and in wrestling as it has in football and basketball as well. So 
it's uh yeah talent talent wins you know talent matters well hopefully ohio state can can make some noise here and you know it it, it is a year-to-year thing and obviously there's some definitely some top dogs and wrestling that you always are gonna have to look out for but you know ohio state it's it's you got a solid coach you've got a good program you've got you know great facilities i don't know i i'm just excited to watch it i'm glad they're back it is kind of wild as you said that you're already this far into the season it does not feel like that at all but you, you know, mentioned the facilities and i ha- i'll have to say this again and this is a year you know where fans aren't getting to come to the cavalli center and uh, experience meet live but presuming that this time next year you know we're back to some measure of normalcy and in, in attending yeah. live sporting events uh, i i can't recommend cavelli center enough um yep. and, and to the point so there was uh, a gentleman who was at the meet on um sunday versus rutgers who was who was there he works for a local apparel company and and was there as uh, teams doing some business with this company's doing some business with the with ohio state and uh he follows me on twitter and came over to say hi and we were talking he wrestled um at a at a, a major mid-major a really strong mid-major type program um, in college. And so I said, you know, is this your first time to Cavelli? And he just was blown away. He's like, you know, I've been in a lot of wrestling rooms as a, as a college wrestler, I've been in a lot of wrestling facilities. This is the nicest place I have ever been. Mm. Uh, and it's true. You know, it's, it, I mean, the, the arms race in facilities is well covered in football and, and basketball, but it hasn't been a thing in wrestling yet. And Ohio state was well ahead of the curve of that clearly has the nicest facilities of anywhere in the sport. And that certainly helps play a role in the recruiting aspect as well. And the other part of it is Tom Ryan is, I mean, he's uh, just done a fantastic job with his program and, and his guys love him as, as uh, um, wrestlers, I think would, you know, take a bullet for him. Just a really, really great guy, great culture. And, and uh, yeah, hope, hope to see good things for him because they're, they're a good group of guys. Like as you get to meet the individual athletes, mm-hmm. they're, they're just super good kids. Nice to, yeah. nice to work with and, and talk with. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think Ohio State as a, you know, as a institution really wants to go after those kids and, and make sure that they're representatives of all their major programs. And absolutely. That's definitely something that they are pushing, I think, on an institutional level, which helps. I mean, it, it works out. And there it's not like there's any shortage of really great kids who are also great athletes. Well, I was gonna say, so. because you can, you know, because you're Ohio State, you can afford to be picky in a way. Right. Uh, there's a there's a great clip, and I wish I could find it. Um I, I'm sure I could, but I Googled just for I love to watch old Woody Hayes videos um, <laughs> and, I, and I don't remember who the interviewer was, but this guy's interviewing Woody Hayes It was like for a documentary or something. And the interviewer is, is British um, and it is tremendous accent. And he asks Woody about, you know, the kind of kids he likes to recruit. And, and, you know, Woody goes on this thing and he talks about how, you know, we want, we want kids who know they're wanted, you know, he talks about kids, family life. And he's, he's, you know, we want, we look for a kid that, um, you know, knows that people care about him and and he's, he's describing culture. Right. And the, and the guy asks him, he says, well, so you wouldn't take a kid from a broken home. And, and Woody says, no, he's like, I'm going to give him twice the chance, you know, because it's not his fault. Uh, right. And it was just really interesting, you know, and of course, if you've studied Woody Hayes, you know, he thought of himself as a teacher mm-hmm. um, more so than anything else. Maybe, you know, he valued that role as a, as a teacher and, and a, you know, shaper of young men. And so when you're Ohio state, you can afford to be picky and choosy, you know, and if you look at a kid and you're like, this kid does not embody our culture. You know, this kid is, is going to be a danger to himself and others, you know, in our program, <laughs> right. You can afford to be choosy because you can get almost any kid that you want uh, in, in whichever program you're in. 
And, and at the same time, I mean, I really look at, you know, we were talking about Chris Holtman. I'm a huge Chris Holtman Stan. Ryan Day certainly fits, fits this mold. And, and, and I know from many conversations with Tom Ryan, like they really care about their kids. So yes, you're picking kids with, with that fit the culture, but you're also, you're, you're also picking kids that you want to help shape and mold and have a great life after wrestling right. basketball or football like right. I, it, there's a two-way street there i guess is what i'm saying which is another thing that you know woody hayes that's something he definitely talked about and got into so yeah it's uh, it, it's fascinating to watch and see it just to see how all of that goes in and and um you know adds to the the culture overall of all of these different programs so it's just it's fun to watch uh we want to remind you the dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com drygoods.11warriors.com shirts hats stickers all kinds of great stuff check it out let's do some ask us anything uh you can ask us anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com uh, or at 11 dubcast on Twitter. Let's start with our good friend, Alvin. Alvin, who I know is a, a big NBA fan, wants to know, is it possible for the NBA to create a bubble for the remainder of the season? <laughs> I mean, frankly, I was surprised, you know, because their first bubble went well, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it was successful. Un- yeah. Uh, some, some slips, but overall pretty darn good. I mean, it's hard to, you know, it, it, the guy who's going to want to slip out and go to the strip club, what are you going to do? You know, even sure. they're millionaires of means they can they can figure that out you know aside from doing the middle school trip to dc thing and like taping their door shut and uh, <laughs> yeah you know i don't know how you get around that but i was surprised that they didn't just try to do it again you know because it it worked um i don't know i don't know that's a good question i i, I guess it's you know i'm sure that there there is a trade-off there where i doubt guys enjoyed being in the bubble I mean, that's, oh, that's sure, the downside. Yeah. I'm sure being in a bubble stinks. I'm sure it's terrible. Um, but, you know, I was surprised that, I, frankly, I was surprised that college football didn't do a bubble. Um, you, at least, I mean, I don't mean like a big bubble, but that you didn't have individual programs bubbled, uh, if you will. But, you know, there the problem is obviously unpaid labor. But, um, I, yeah, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> That's, that is typically a problem when it arises. I mean, we gloss uh, it over in college sports, right? Yeah. We, we, we pretend it's not really a problem, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that somebody said you can't tell the kids they have to live at the Blackwell, you know, and not see anyone right. for 15 weeks. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think as far as the NBA goes, I, I don't know. I, every one of these, um, you know, I, I, I would have thought the NFL would have had even a bigger problem than they had. I mean, they've had some issues at the beginning, but I don't know. I, I think every one of these large um, professional uh, leagues are going to have to kind of handle it in their own way. And it's it's going to be weird. It's going to continue to be weird. I don't know how effective it's going to be forever, but now that hopefully more and more people are getting vaccinated, this will become less of an issue. Hopefully, like I said, by, by like the summer and things get to a little bit more normalcy and you know it's been a long year <laughs> it's been a long year somebody brought this up um i don't know what the context was we were having some kind of conversation we were talking about uh you know that day you know when the nba just ought just people are on the court they're like nope not anymore and they shut it down and then that's when i think a lot of people started to realize that this thing was real and we're coming up on the anniversary of that and mm-hmm. 
it's wild how much things have changed in that short period of time and, and how long that period of time feels. But um, yeah, I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how everybody kind of deals with the, hopefully what's the, the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, next question here. This is from Ben. Ben wants to know, and I'll, I'll kind of kind of condense uh, his question here a little bit. Uh, he was surprised. He said he was a little bit surprised about uh, the announcements of players either leaving or staying uh, in addition with like projections and things like that about how, what that looks like. Uh, so his question is who is in the best in, uh, position to improve their stock of the players that are coming back. So he mentions Alave, Haskell Garrett. Uh, what do you think, Andy, who do you think is going to really be able to help themselves when it comes to draft day in uh, 2022? I mean that, so Alave was the guy that I th- thought was gone. Like he was the one that I was really surprised about as far as guys who stayed. Um, just because I thought, Hey, we've already been talking about him as one of the best receivers in the, in the country. But at the same time, you know, the guy thinks he can play himself into, you know, first round money. I I mean, that's go for it. I would have thought he was going to be regardless of that's what, that's what's so surprising to me, honestly. So, so, I mean, I guess he he must not have, he, he either wasn't confident enough or he thought he's going to play himself into a number one overall pick type situation. I maybe. guess, I, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe he sees what, you know, Devonta Smith does and goes, okay, well maybe that's me. Right. And, like, and, and maybe, and maybe that's it. Maybe he's looking at the room and saying, Hey, you know what? There's a number of receivers that are right. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I always kind of figured, if you feel like you've got first round money, you go right. Like that's the, that's the heuristic. If you're, if you're confident you're a second round guy and you hate college, <laughs> then go. Yeah. If you're a third round guy, eh, you know what? Maybe you ought to stay. Right. So that that's I mean, and that's kind of just the the economist in me talking. I look at a guy like Garrett and I think, yeah, he could he could probably play himself into some more money. Sure. sure. But he, I mean, he had a fantastic year this year. Like I don't know what he could have done to be more sacks, I guess. You know, I but I, I don't, I don't think anybody was looking and saying, you know what? I thought Garrett would be better this year. I think we were all kind of like, Garrett was really good. Right. I yeah. Well, and that's what, that's what my point is, which is that both of these guys either played up to very lofty expectations or exceeded expectations. And that's why you're surprised that they came back because you're like, well, I mean, you're great. And you'll, I'm sure you'll continue to be great. Maybe you'll even get better, but it's not like you're going to give anyone surprise that you had in 2020, which is, that's the thing, right? Because if you're looking about improving your draft stock, that's the way you do it. You you have this bust out breakout season where people who are looking at you going, okay, let's throw millions of dollars at this guy. You're not going to have that same impact unless you really are the Heisman winner, you know, win the Thorpe, all that stuff. You've got to, you've got to be the best of the best of the best of the best if you're already in a pretty good lofty position, you've already made an impact in the way that Garrett did or Olave did. I'm not saying they can't make that leap. I'm just saying it's less likely than what they showed in 2020. I think honestly, the players, there's a couple of players that I think that will really improve the draft stock if they're given the chance in one instance. And if they perform up to their abilities in the other, Jeremy Ruckert, if he gets, the opportunities that you kind of, you saw a little bit of if Ohio state does the, does the impossible and throws the tight ends. I know that's never going to happen, but assume that it does that to me will be a opportunity for him because he's clearly talented enough to make an impact in the league. I, you know, and, and he'll get looks anyway. 
uh, they'll they'll see his athletic ability and go, okay, we can use this guy. But I, I think he has a chance to help himself out a lot. And I would say also uh, Tyreek Smith, if he has the kind of season that people – well, not just people expect him to have, but I think Ohio State needs him to have on the defensive line. Yeah, that's that's an element that to be a complete defense, you've got to have more of what he's able to bring. That you need to have a better pass rush from the edge. You've got to be able to like pressure the quarterback from the outside. So if you can get more of that, um, and he can become that kind of player, then I think he can make himself a lot of money. And, I mean, he's a guy. I mean, that's a that's a position group, and again, we were comparing it to. Uh, Boza Boza Chase Young. Sure, yeah. But like you would say, Ohio State's defensive front was really good this year. Yeah. And and they weren't cranking out the highlight real sacks and crazy plays off the edge right. and so on that that we've become used to seeing. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um Ruckard's a guy I thought about too, just because you know he, especially in the postseason, I mean those came with some clutch catches. Yeah. Uh guy, a guy looks like he can catch any ball that's thrown at him. You know, the league loves to talk about physique and body. You know, he's 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 a big bodied pass catcher uh, who can move, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, he can absolutely do it. There's some opportunities I, there. I mean, they, they, there's definitely some opportunities there for this team, I think, for guys to play themselves into some money. But I wasn't, you know, to the original premise of the question, I wasn't surprised other than Olave. I thought Olave was gone. I, I was shocked that he came back. I, I think that guy is going to be incredible in the league. And he's just, he's not going to be, you know, he's not Calvin Johnson, right? Like that's not, that's not his game, but in, in this current, uh, you know, football style environment and how things are done, I think he can really thrive. Well, well right. I mean, the thing I love about him, you know, and this, I mean, there's been no shortage of digital links spilled about this, but the, you know, he's a guy who can catch anything. Um, I yeah. mean, he just has great, Great ball sense, great, great, great uh, ability, and in the body control. I mean, the fact, yeah. I mean, some of those sideline toe touch catches um, that he makes. You know, the ability that he makes his quarterback look good um, pretty much any time they target him. You know, and, and he had a very good quarterback throwing him the ball these past two seasons. So that's that's not a dig at QB number one, right? But I also, you know, on that on that subject, the thing that spoke volumes to me with Olave coming back is that he believes that he's going to have a good quarterback thrown to him next year, you know, which you might say, Oh, you know, you're going to have a first, first year starter uh, at quarterback. That might be a cue for a wide receiver to go cash his checks, you know, because let's say QB number one, whoever he ends up being uh, isn't Justin Fields or Dwayne Haskins or whatnot. You know, that's, that's a risk for a wide receiver, right? Cause you're counting on that guy to, to help you make that first round money. So that tells right. me he believes uh and cj stroud or you know whomever might end up getting the ball yeah, I, yeah the quarterback room is is definitely loaded and like you said it's it's a big statement of confidence and that should get a ohio state fans some uh you know some some nice restful sleep going forward even if you're worried about one of the most talented quarterbacks in ohio state history what's back so. to what you said earlier though you know as long as ryan day is is the head football coach you're not going to worry about the offense on this team he will figure something out and that's that's really his greatest asset as a coach is his ability to adjust to the personnel and figure out exactly what he needs to do to score points that that's that's what i find so fascinating about him because there's so many coaches in college football who have a system have a scheme whatever and they find players to fit that mold ryan day says i want to get the best guys possible now granted he obviously leans more towards pro style quarterbacks or whatever 
But I'm sure if he found a guy who was more of a runner, more Rexton Miller type, he'd figure it out. He'd be like, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to see what this guy can do so we can score 50 points a game. Um, that's just who he is. And I, I, I find it really comforting <laughs> that there is a coach that relies on uh, creativity uh, more than uh, a rote scheme that he expects players to fit into. It's, it's just fascinating. So I'm excited about all that. It's going to be good. Uh, keep watching the basketball team. Zed Key, look, we did not talk enough about Zed Key this week. I apologize. Next week, again, 50 to 60 minutes of entirely Zed Key talk. Uh, but <laughs> until then, uh, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.